Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I was looking at 10 years minimum mandatory. I wasn't going to be cooperating. And so, you know, you just kind of look at it. Your best case scenario is you're going to be serving 10 years um, in prison and you get out in eight years for a good time or whatever it is, right? And uh, I, I don't know fully how to explain it in a short story. So I'll just say the outcome was they found me guilty and then they didn't give me any prison time. Armin Asadi joins Paul again today talking about his remarkable journey from Iran to refugee to running a faith-based organization. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. So glad to have you here on Life Support. What we do on this program is we tell stories, and we talk about how God redeems. And sometimes the stories are hard. We talk about suffering and trauma, but you know, God is in pursuit of you and we want to remind you of that. I've got a really special guest with me. He's the president of Engage Your Destiny, Armin Asadi. And uh, he was here not long ago. And Armin, it's good to see you again. Likewise. Thanks Thank for you. coming back. We, we just, man, we, we went so fast through your story. And um, just as a, a, you know, a, a Reader's Digest version, you, you grew up in Iran, you fled, you came, ended up here in the United States. Um, you uh, ended up, you know, kind of drifting into a life of crime. You, you had this huge uh, kind of a crime organization. You made a ton of money, but you realized that Satan had kind of left you high and dry and you had been chasing all the wrong things. Um, and it got as bad as you really wanted to take your life, and you were angry with God that he wasn't going to do that for you. And now you made a comment last time. You talked a little bit about how you thought you were going to be sentenced, and you ended up being a pastor. Now, some pastors would say that is the sentence, <laughs> but um, not, not me, of course. <laughs> but during COVID, it feels that way once in a while. Um, so take me to the time when— Okay, you're you obviously were arrested, um, and kind of start there, and kind of how did that whole thing begin to play out? Um, well, the feds had no idea where I was, so they decided to go to my parents' house while they were hosting a bunch of other Persian family members. So that's always good. <laughs> and uh, my parents didn't know where I was, so they had my mom call me on my cell phone from the home phone, and then my mom said, "There's." some lawyers here to see or something like that mm -hmm. and then the u.s marshals got on and they said you know hey we just need to talk to you and i was like all right sounds good can you just tell me what you're arresting me for and they're like no we just like to talk to you that's all and i said fine um had a friend drive me uh went to my parents house you know there was no cars around threw my hands up coming up just in case and next thing i know there's just squad cars unmarked cars all around me and mm -hmm. uh yeah that was kind of the beginning of the <laughs> yeah court trials you know yeah so how long did those uh trials last and so forth Oof. uh i would say between pre-trial to trial and sentencing um it, it probably took a little over a year mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it was pretty intense did your mom at that point know that you were involved with all this stuff? 
Uh, no, and the only reason I know that, because I think there was part of me that assumed she knew, mm-hmm. you know, like how could she not know? Um, but I remember my uh, brother telling me he had to explain it to them, and they still weren't getting it, and he had to, you know, like show them a movie and say he's one of those guys. Wow. For them to finally get it, and it still didn't click. Like, no way, not my, not my sweet kid, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I'm not sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, having the U.S. Marshals at the house, I would think, would be a little startling yeah. as well. Yeah. Was there a sense of relief when you were taken into custody after kind of living that lie for so long? Or No. you Not you, really? No. You just you just check out, you know. You just follow the process. You and know, just kind of go into survival mode? No. You just, do what, you just do what you're supposed to do. I you see. Know? Um, you don't talk, but you talk enough. Um, you meet, always ask for attorney right away. You oh, I to see what offers. you're saying. So you're you're following the what you've kind of been trained or you, the the code of what you're supposed to do and not do. Yeah, I see. So your mind kicks into that gear. Like, yeah. okay, now, okay, now I got to play my role here. What should I say? Not say? What's next? All that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, even if I'm done with that life, I got to do this right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because if they catch wind of me saying anything to anyone, it's it's not me. It's at risk. Yeah. They're gonna take out someone I love and make me live with it. I see. You know, like they're they're not merciful. Yeah. If they were merciful, they'd kill me. But mm-hmm. these people aren't merciful. Yeah, I remember when I was sitting in an interview room and and um, uh, my son had been through a shooting and had gotten killed and they uh, they brought me in to talk to the they had arrested the driver, hmm. and um, my job as the father was to try to convince him to cooperate. And so I um, I looked at this guy and he stared he just, he just stared right at me, didn't didn't flex a muscle, and so I realized he wasn't going to so I just like gave him the gospel because I figured he's oh, I got an attentive audience here, and um, so I just told him that you know his life could change and God loves him and this kind of thing, but I remember walking out with the detective and he was like really apologetic and 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 he said you know what you didn't do anything wrong I'm sorry you had to go through that he was just obviously well trained he 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 knew he couldn't say a word mm-hmm. and and then it was interesting um, he was never arrested so a couple of years later I called back and and just asked you know um, the cold case uh, officer. You know, why didn't he get arrested? And he said, really, you're kind of wasting your time because he's either in prison or dead by now. And, you know, we don't know where he is, but you can pretty rest assured that something like that probably happened to him. Yeah. So I kind of ran head on into that coaching. And I'm sure that's what police officers and lawyers, they deal with that all the time, huh? Yeah. I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah, that's, you that's know, and just... I, it, it, it's hard, you know, but I learned, you know, I learned a lot about God. And, um, I, you know, thankfully, the 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 man that actually did the shooting um was not that way he was a a, a younger kid who um you know was in tears and and offered you know he he felt terrible for what had happened and uh so you know we were fortunate in that respect where it was easier to to exercise forgiveness with the with a guy who really who really felt it mm-hmm. and um you know we didn't have to deal with hardened gang members and and things like that i think that'd be really tough 
So you you end up getting arrested. Now you're now you're facing uh, uh, sentencing and so forth. You get convicted. What happens now? How did this whole pastor thing come about? Because you're supposed to be going to jail, right? I mean, I wasn't pastor. I was interning. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was supposed. I was looking at ten years minimum mandatory. I wasn't going to be cooperating. And so you know, you just kind of look at it. Your best case scenario is you're going to be serving ten years um, in prison, and you get out in eight years for good time or whatever it is, right? And um, I, I don't know fully how to explain it in a short story, so I'll just say the outcome was they found me guilty, and then they didn't give me any prison time. So mm-hmm. I am a felon. I just didn't serve prison time. Mm-hmm. I served jail time on weekends, which was interesting because the judge said, Armin, I want you to turn yourself in every Friday at 10 a.m. and check yourself out at 10 a.m. on Sundays. I should give you enough time to get to the second service at your church. Oh, that's really interesting. Yep. And, uh, you know, and when, when I got out, I was sitting in a van rather than a prison cell. I, I, yeah, I mean, that was a lot to try to figure out what happened. And I remember sitting in the back of this van, um, which doesn't sound, you know, amazing, but it's not a prison cell. Yep. And I, that question, like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. kind of happened again mm-hmm. and uh i just remember uh like i get chills every time i think about it <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, i just i physically collapsed into my own legs um and i just started sobbing you know and um and it was it was actually very rational not irrational because i didn't i i had never felt that much love um because I, I didn't have time to process it. That was my first time processing it. And it was just first time I could see how all my scattered life was actually somehow glued together. And it made sense. And God was just at the center of it, even though I didn't know him. And if I did, I rejected him. Mm-hmm. But here I am in the middle of grace. Mm-hmm. And I have, <laughs> I have no right to it mm-hmm. they don't deserve it at all you know like any anything they would have thrown at me would have been a fraction of what i deserved even 10 years that yeah. would have been a fraction and, and but you didn't really did you understand the source of that grace at that point oh yeah i was mm-hmm. i was well into my uh mm-hmm. i already gave my life to christ kind of thing which is a whole yeah how did that happen tell me about that more from pastor paul and armin asadi in just a moment This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and we're excited to introduce a brand new video curriculum called Caring for Mental Health. This 10-part series is available at no cost and is designed to help you and others come alongside those who are struggling with mental health. If you'd like to learn more, go to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. But here I am in the middle of grace. Mm-hmm. And I have, <laughs> I have no right to it. Mm-hmm. They don't deserve it at all. You know, like any, anything they would have thrown at me would have been a fraction of what I deserved. Even 10 years. That would have been a fraction. And, and But you didn't really, did you understand the source of that grace at that point? Oh, yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I was well into my, uh, mm-hmm. I already gave my life to Christ kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is a whole. Yeah. How did that happen? Tell me about that. Well, I quit that life. Yeah. Um, eventually get 
give my life uh, to Jesus at my church, Substance, um, and then I got indicted, you know. So at that point, I was like, oh, so this is what it means to follow Jesus, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like you give him, mm -hmm. you give him your life. You give him your life. <laughs> you yeah, you're right. going to prison. Right, I, right. like, oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be a Paul story. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and honestly, yeah, you have options, you know. And the least favorable option is put your faith in God. And you know, a lot of times we 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 put our faith in job, uh, a God to get a job or to whatever, you know, first world problems, but. Um, putting your faith in God when you're looking at 10-year minimum mandatory sentence, that means it could be a life sentence. Right. So, mm -hmm. so it, was a, it was a big exercise of faith. I bet Just, it was. Yeah. That's scary. And I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. And getting no prison time was definitely not one of the outcomes I predicted. So you didn't see that coming? <laughs> no. No. I just thought maybe best case scenario I'd serve you know, get five years, maybe get out in three, mm -hmm. something like that. So how did you get hooked up with the church? I went to the most socially awkward men's group I've ever been to in my entire life. And uh, they were just trustworthy guys, you know, awkward, but trustworthy, mm -hmm. you know, and socially incapable, but like their intention was very easy to see i'm just yeah. a body language guy you know yeah. I, I don't care any words that come out of your mouth but yeah. their body language was you very... could immediately tell a difference with those guys than what you were used to mm -hmm. it was just you just relax you know mm -hmm. you know they mean no harm they pose no threat they're not trying to use you they have no idea who you are Right. You know? Right. So how could they use you? Because you had kind of lived your life on edge, right? I mean, you. I mean, from the time you were just a child, you were running from authorities. Your family was fleeing. You had to, you know, I mean, you really hadn't had an opportunity to experience that kind of. I'm safe now. I'm. I'm with people that love me now. I'm. I'm. It had to be an amazing experience to discover that. Yeah, it was. I don't know. If Even I... with socially awkward guys. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if I fully believed it, you know. Yeah. But there wasn't enough red flags for me to dismiss it. Mm -hmm. So it was just it got me very curious. I'll uh -huh. just put it that way. Right. And my curiosity led me down a path of meeting a certain family, seeing a certain church. You know. You you know the process, you're a pastor. Yeah. Well, it's different for everybody. And it's it's pretty neat to hear the stories though because God calls people to himself in all kinds of of crazy ways. So, here you are now, you're a father. Um you got your own family and you were you were teasing me before about how you're probably the most protective overprotective father uh in America or something. Um how how does being a father uh, I guess help you understand God's love for you and and as your father and do you kind of discover more of that as you go along loving your own children and and that kind of thing? Um, I'll say this: I've I have experienced a lot in life. Um, I've seen a lot in life. I've been all over the world. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and so I thought I knew a lot about this world and. Mm -hmm. I, I, well, I'll say exactly what I said to my wife when we were walking down the street when we just had our firstborn Ada, 
Um, she couldn't have been more than a month old. I mean, we had her in a stroller. We're just walking. And I stopped her. And I was like, Ash, I feel like this is the first time I see life in color. Mm. Like, I didn't, I'm looking around and it's things I've seen before, but they've never looked like this, you know? And it was just, wow. it's still true now, you know? It's just like until you have your own kid, you know, mm -hmm. like that you just, you don't. There's there's no way to explain it to anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have I, I couldn't articulate it if my life depended on it. It was just yeah. I have my kid in front of me, I have my wife next to me, and I'm looking around and it's the world just looks brighter. Mm -hmm. You know? Just everything was more meaningful and it was it's so much easier to understand a father's love, you know, God's yeah. love when you have your own kid and when you realize what you're willing to do for this kid that can do nothing for you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I think that it's um, sometimes it's hard to believe that God loves us as much as we love that child. Yeah. Because the love for our children is kind of infinite. And um, and it's hard to believe God could actually love us that way. But what a wonderful picture he's given us to try to understand that love yeah. and our love for our children. Yeah. And God has done that, especially with my third born. She's 16 months old, going on 25 years. <laughs> Um, that, that, mm -hmm. that child's a thug, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, she's a little gangster, mm -hmm. like she will slap you and think it's funny. And like, she has a lot of my, uh, bad tendencies. Um, and, and it's so funny because it's inappropriate and you want to get mad at her, you know, where like, she's 16 months old. And then you start processing what's happening and you, f and you start smiling and you grab her and you hug right, her because right. she, she knows what she did was yeah. completely wrong, right. you know, because she's giving you the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you, you, you want to punish, you want to give them serious consequences, but it's like, you just get filled with this love and this grace and you just grab her and just, you know, mm -hmm. and it's those moments. <laughs> I have a lot of them with her. Um, but it's it, I, I feel closer to God every time she becomes problematic. It's a weird statement mm -hmm. to make. Mm -hmm. I know that, but that little girl's gangster, you yeah. know. And uh, she she's she's gonna be very much like me. She's either going to be completely sold out for Christ. Or she's going to be a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> one, one or the other. No middle ground, right? But, you know, when you tell your story, it reminds me of um, of the book of Colossians where, um, you know, it talks about how we've been redeemed from the kingdom of darkness and and placed in the in the kingdom of, you know, the beloved son. And, mm. and I look at your life and I see, like, two distinct, you know, you talked about in color. You know, I see this dark life, you know, this... This kind of going nowhere, um, you know, darkness. And then all of a sudden here you are now on the other side and you've got this family and you're seeing things in color. And, and uh, you're, you know, you, you sense God's love through your kids. And, and if there ever was this picture of redemption, hmm. I mean, that's it. Hmm. And, and the bridge was sort of this whole court experience and, and a, a judge that had mercy on you. And, and you were able to kind of walk across into this new life hmm. and... If, if without God's mercy, you could have just been stuck in a jail cell and never experienced the color part. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I think for all of us, and 
for for those that are, are struggling with things in their own life right now and they're kind of waiting for that color portion of their life or they've lost hope i mean your story provides a lot of hope yeah, i hope so i don't know it yeah. does because because you know and it's not so much like for me, it's not even the kind of like, I was the worst person in the history of the world. You know, like I, I lived in a garbage can. I was a hell's angel. I murdered everybody. And now I'm, it's, that's not even really what it's about. It's, yeah. it's fulfilling the longings of your heart. Mm. And God was able to look in and see the real need. And the real need was family. And if I would have met you, I would have thought, well, you're just selfish. You're just out there trying to earn a bunch of money. You just want power. You know, all this stuff. But God could look in and go, oh, no, that's not what this is about at all. Yeah. It's about family. Hmm. And so look what he's given you now. Family. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would I, I think you said it beautifully, but I, I, I think one of the things I realize is a lot of times when you're the scumbag in search of something good, um, it's easy to dismiss God because you think um you go to God to change your behaviors mm-hmm. so that um and the only way he'll change your behaviors is if you believe a certain thing. And then if you believe a certain thing, then you kind of can belong. Mm-hmm. And it's when you when you take that audacious risk and say, let me just see what this is about, you realize his process is very different. It's first he just wants you to know you belong here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to change the way you behave. I don't care if you change what you believe. I just want you to first and foremost know you belong here. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this generation, all, all, all these, you know, millennials, Gen Z, me being a millennial, it's like we're always looking for belonging, you know. And I promise if you can make us feel like we belong somewhere, our beliefs will change, our behaviors will change because we will adapt to the one thing we want to cling on to, which is the people that make us feel like we belong. Yeah, relationships so vitally important. Yeah, probably more than more important than ever, at least in my lifetime. That's for sure. Yeah, and you're helping a lot of people through engage your destiny. Tell me about that. Military ministry. You know, our whole thing was how do we go on to military bases and find these young soldiers, and before they go see the worst of it, um, how how do we give them something to grab a hold of and have it as their hope you know so our thing was just going and preaching and um, adding value before we started preaching obviously and mm-hmm. uh, we would lead them to Jesus and then we would stay with them whatever they needed and resource them and all that and now that uh, COVID hit we had to pivot and now we're hosting the largest Vietnam veteran gathering in Daytona at Daytona International Speedway because you know these guys and girls went out and they served their country and, um, you know, most of them were drafted and they went and saw the horrors of war, but they came home to this society spitting on them, yeah, throwing bags shunned. of blood yep. and being mm-hmm. jumped and beat up like they were part of a gang. And they, mm-hmm. you know, people wouldn't sit around them. And we've never righted that wrong. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's about time, you know, and maybe we'll bankrupt our ministry doing it, but at least we went out doing something that we truly felt feel and know that is a vision from god you know i have a feeling god will supply what you need 
He's been he's been shocking and eyeing us for a bit now, and yeah. I mean it's always laughable that you got a Iranian refugee born in the Islamic Republic of Iran who is the head of a Christian ministry for military and hosting <laughs> a Vietnam veteran gathering. Like the irony yeah. in that is so thick, I don't even yeah, know. That's what to kind do. of like an only God statement, right? Yeah, there. it's just how how does that happen? No right. clue. No. Clue. So how do I find out more about that? Um. HeroesHonorFestival.com if you want to find out about the Vietnam Veteran Gathering, okay. um, if you want to partake. Um, if, I mean, it'll be amazing. We got uh, Toby Keith headlining. We'll have flyovers. We'll have the Patriot Parachute team skydiving in with the flags. and all. I mean, it's going to be over-the-top pomp and circumstance just because that's how badly they were shamed. We're going to be just mm-hmm. as audacious to honor them. So it'll be an experience of a lifetime for anyone that comes and Vietnam veterans and their spouses. You guys are all free. Wow, good for you. That's pretty admirable. And I, I really appreciate you telling me your story and being vulnerable about it. And I uh, wish you all the very best and keep, keep up, just keep running the race. I will. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Armin Asadi, and uh, what a story that is. And, you know, it just reminds me again of God's incredible love. And, um, you know, a lot of times we suffer, even as believers. Um, but First Peter 4.16 tells us, Yes, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And so, you know, we live in a fallen world. And we are going to suffer because of that fallen world, but we're also going to suffer because we love God and the world doesn't love God. But take heart, God is with you. Um, and I think the testimony we just heard is is one of God is, he's always watching out for you. You're never out of his reach. And listen, I'm glad you listened too, because we've got great partners that make this show possible. I want to thank My Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com. They've given us this wonderful platform. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well by just going on to MyRWC.org. I'm so glad you listened, and we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.